another installment of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm The Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Mamer. And I guess, uh, well, first show of 2015. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Um, and uh, my, my, guest, uh, my guest sort of emailed me, and he uh, his, his topic was something I'd wanted to do for a long time. And, uh, and I was like, fine, I will come out of retirement just for you. And you are, I, 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 can, I can use your, your full name? Yes. Okay. Uh, Blake. Blake. Blake Oates. Yes. Great. Okay. Yeah. Not to be confused with uh, Blake uh, from uh, Monster Talk. Do you, do you listen to the Monster Talk podcast? I have never even heard of that. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's that's quite a good. Uh, it's quite a good podcast. Uh, uh, Blake. Uh, Blake, or as he's called, Doctor Atlantis. Uh, he he does a skeptical podcasting about sort of you know monsters and stuff like that. Very very. Uh, if you if you like science, he, he he gets a lot of like um you know guests on who sort of actually know about uh, you know certain kinds of dinosaurs and uh, you know primates and all that sort of stuff and then um, um and uh, just gets them to talk about it in relation to monsters and uh, he sometimes has a hard time getting these you know real working scientists on to talk about it in in that framework but he he he, he manages but uh, yeah but Blake uh, yeah you're 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 not here to talk about. Um, monsters uh what 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 is what is what is your your consp- favorite conspiracy that uh that maybe come out of my retirement uh, well my favorite conspiracy you know i looked through i was i've been listening to your episodes for a while now and i looked through all of them and i could not find a single one on masonic conspiracies and freemasons and you know world i mean i think you did a new world order one or yeah. something with the illuminati yeah and i was i listened to that episode hoping to hear something but Nope. So, um, one of the things about the uh, Masonic conspiracies was uh, that there's so many of them, and so maybe that's why you didn't have a chance to do an episode. But I'm uh, a Mason myself, and I'm inundated with them all the time, mostly by my own choosing. I like to read about them because I I get a good laugh. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that, that's the, I mean yeah, that's why I probably never had did a show on on. Uh, Freemasonry, just because um, you know, I was just really waiting around until I kind of stumbled across an actual, real live uh, Freemason who who wanted to to talk about it versus you know someone who's just read the web pages and you know read the books and and that sort of stuff. But but yeah, I mean in terms of the you know the sort of the holy trinity of of conspiracy theories. I mean yeah, you've got the Illuminati, you know you've got the, the night. Templars and then making up that final pillar would be would be the the Freemasons and and uh, so yeah so I'm I'm very glad to finally have a uh, skeptical Freemason on to, uh, to to talk about it before we actually get into the topic let's just find out a little about about you so um, um you, know, you know Korean questions you know how old are you are you married you know what do you do where do you live yeah yeah um so I'm 28 years old. I live in uh, Columbus, Ohio. I am married, and we have a dog. No kids or anything okay. like that. Um, I'm a graduate student at the University of North Texas. Um, however, I'm doing my research here in Columbus, Ohio, um, studying anthropology. And, um, yeah, so my main focus is, is on 
consumerism and consumption, so it really has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. But uh, my general interest in anthropology, I think, kind of drives some of my skepticism towards conspiratorial thinking and the such. Right, okay. Now I'm from, uh, I hail from Windsor, which is, so, you know, we, we are kind of like honorary uh, Michiganders, and, and I notice people from Michigan tend to pick on people from Ohio. There's always these weird little interstate, you know, Michigan people bash on Ohio people, and so Windsor people tend to pick up the, oh, let's make kind of fun of Ohio people, and I'm always like, do not make fun of Ohio people. Without Ohio, Kentucky is going to be one state closer to Canada. So <laughs> you you guys are just this wonderful buffer state between us yeah. and Kentucky. I think it mostly has to do with the schools. I went to Ohio State um, and had very little, uh, we'll say, school spirit. Okay. Uh, in fact, I grew up my whole um, childhood being a Michigan fan just to be a contrarian. So um, <laughs> at this point now... I, I kind of wish I had gone to Michigan because it's a better school. But <laughs> my OSU um, fellow alumni will not agree, probably. All right. And do, do they do they have, do they have a good basketball team? My I, my my girlfriend is crazy about basketball. Uh, you know, NBA plus you know the, the 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 March Madness, and we even did like a racket or whatever you call that. You fill those things out, and we 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 did one. And I just I just sort of guessed on like, well, these people seem like probably they got a lot of creationists so i they'll probably win because that would make me angry that's how i just sort of pick my you know my little brace <laughs> or whatever and but uh yeah we we didn't win any money anyways my system or her system but i uh, do, do you have a good college hoops team there at least it's it's not the basketball team it's the football team oh, okay. um ohio state i guess they i don't understand how all that works but my basic understanding of last year was that um, the NCAA brought back this Final Four type thing for football, hmm, which okay. would then turn into a national championship. Okay. And uh, Ohio State went in as the number four team, and they ended up winning the whole national championship. And they regularly go undefeated in a lot of their seasons. So it's a very big thing here. Wow. Um, it's like, um, I don't know. I compare it to Pittsburgh because it's another city I've been to where everybody is just Steelers Nation everywhere you go. Mm, yes. And uh, so that's the way it is here with the Buckeyes. All right, yeah, uh, yeah. Do, do you guys riot there when you win? <laughs> uh, in high school, they lost. They lost to Michigan because that's the rival, of course. Oh, okay. And uh, I actually have a friend who was photographed. You can find his picture, uh, I think, at the Toledo Blade kicking in the window of a store. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I have a few of my friends got busted for that, but I did not partake in that. I actually kept away. I thought it was the smart thing to do. Right, yeah. They haven't had riots in a while, um, which is a good thing. I think some people try to start them, and they get squashed pretty quickly. Well, that's good. What in, in you know, Ohio, you can't think of Ohio without, uh, well, what's, what's that wonderful amusement park you have in Sandusky, Ohio? Cedar Point. Cedar Point, yes. I've been there a couple times, and... Uh, Yes, I always love Cedar Point. Do you, Columbus, what are you kind of mid-state, or where is Columbus exactly? Right in the middle. Yeah, right in the middle. And that, that, that's the state capital? Is that the state capital? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, because you, you got a couple, like, Cleveland, right? You got your, your Cleveland up there, and you got your you got Toledo. Your, your three C's. You got Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Those are the three big uh, cities yeah. there. Right. And don't, um, yeah, you don't, forget, Toledo. don't forget Toledo, yes, because everyone knows Toledo from uh, um, uh, the, the guy on MASH, right? Uh, 
you me- do you remember MASH? I never watched <laughs> you're MASH. Tw- you're 28, so... Uh, yeah, I watched a lot of old shows, but yeah. I never watched MASH. Uh, okay. J- Jamie Farr, actor Jamie Farr, he was a character on MASH, and it, you know, it, it central to his character was he was from Toledo, Ohio, and, and uh, yeah, and then Cincinnati, of course, you got WRKRP, and uh, Cleveland. That's one I'm familiar with, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I mean, sorry, to another conspiracy, how the hell did Cleveland ever get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That is, it's probably the Masons. Okay. I just probably don't know about it. They didn't <laughs> clue right. me into that when I joined. Well, that's a good segue into the actual conspiracy topic. Okay, so you, uh, you're a Freemason. How, how long have you been a Freemason? Um, I joined in 2011. 2011. Now, now, do you have to, do you have to sort of, like, do you have to have a father who's a Freemason? Or can I, can I just walk into the local Freemason place and be, can I be one of you guys? Or, like, how do you actually get in? Um, yeah, so we have a saying, uh, it's actually a, a nice bumper sticker as well, is just to be one, ask one. Um, in fact, it's, uh, the tradition was that you would never be asked to be join, to join the Freemasons. You always had to come of your own free will and accord, which is, has a symbolic importance later on in the actual joining. But, um, yeah, so you don't have to necessarily know anybody. Okay. You just have to have an interest in a, a good, um, good thoughts, or what's the right word? A good impression of the fraternity, and and you know want to join for your own reasons. Okay. Um, but every state is different. Every state's governed by its own Grand Lodge, and so I I posted something uh, a, a long time ago. I guess not a long time ago. It's been within the last four years. <laughs> but um, someone uh, approached me on Twitter. They were from Utah, and they were asking me, you know, what they need to do to join basically told them what I just told you and they said well in Utah I've been told that I have to be sponsored and have to know someone for six months or something and they so they do have some requirements like that but I said well go meet them <laughs> go to uh, go ask them if you can come to a dinner or, uh, or some sort of open meeting or something that they're having and and he did and now he's a, a very active uh, mason and uh, he always every now and then will send me an email or something and thanks me for giving him the uh, insight to join. All right. Now, you guys, you guys you have levels or something like 30, you always hear what, 33, 33, 33rd degree Freemasons, and, and uh, do, you, do, you, do you have like a, a level, or are you allowed to talk about your level? I mean, I, I, I appreciate, you know, I mean, maybe just we get into this a bit more, but I mean, part of the, the at least the fun at least is, is you know, it's like some of the secrecy, like being in a, in a fraternity or sorority or something like that. Yeah, well, Freemasonry itself, the actual, um, what we call the Blue Lodge, or when you join the the square encompasses the logo, when you think of Freemasonry, there's only um, three degrees, we call them degrees, and um, we call those the Entered Apprentice, the Fellowcraft, and the Master Mason. And the general rule is that um, your Entered Apprentice, that's like your... um, your initiation, and then there's a uh, a second ritual later on that would you would be conferred the fellowcraft degree, and then you when you get the master mason degree you are considered the highest. That's the third yeah. degree. So we hear that old saying, "I'm going to give you the third degree." It relates to oh, okay. uh, that kind of stuff. And um, however, there is a what we call an appendant body, so another body that someone can join that's called the Scottish Rite. Right, and that's the one you kind of hear about the most, uh, at least in in conspiracy theory-mongering, that's Scottish Rite Masons. Yes, and so the Scottish Rite confers degrees 4 through 32, and um, the best way to look at those, despite what 
the conspiracy conspiracy theorists will tell you is they're more just like if you numbered the tires of your car okay no one number makes one more important you need all four of them it's just they're there mm-hmm. um and it's the same with the with the degrees in fact I think the best illustration that the numbers aren't important is the fact that I am a 32nd degree Mason and I do not have the 16th degree. Oh, and I, okay. And I don't, there's like plenty of them I don't have. You, you get the degrees by going and um, in, the, in Scottish Rite, it's not really ritual as much as it's just kind of watching a, a play or, or being a part of whatever they do to confer that degree. Right, okay. Um, and so with 32 of them and with it taking like a whole day, to do six of them we don't it's kind of hard to get all 32 degrees within the span of it takes a few years to kind of do that usually okay so it's like it's like yelp badges or something as if but they just numbered them as well so i've got badge you know 28 which is you know late night drinker badge or something like that yeah absolutely exactly um and that's the problem with the numbering. A, a lot of people confuse that because they think of it as levels. Sure, they think okay. Of it as like you're you're the upper level, and the thirty third is a uh, an honorary degree. So that's something that you can't petition for. You can't ask to be given it. It's given to um, anyone in the fraternity who has done something good to kind of promote the fraternity. Maybe someone who made a, a great contribution, or someone who's written a lot of books, or something like that. They they would get that honorary degree. Okay, good. And uh, so, I'll, so let me just ask you flat out. So y- you guys aren't trying to take over the world, right? If we are, we're doing terrible at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I, as, as some brothers would say, um, you know, we, we can't even decide on what to have for dinner at our lodge meetings. It's going to be really hard to figure out what our plan is to take over the world. Exactly. I mean, that's how I always sort of say, like almost any time you – any company I've ever worked at, uh, present company excluded, but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, just no one knows what they're doing. No one knows what their responsibilities are. And you just make it up as you go along. And, and, and somehow you just move, stumble forward. And that's what I think everybody is ultimately doing in life. We're just making it up as we go along and we're stumbling forward. And, you know, and it's just when you look back on our history, then you kind of, you apply this narrative of these wise men who saw you know farther and you know and that makes us more comfortable we don't want to think of ultimately you know winston churchill just was probably scared and didn't know what he was doing and just did the best he can and that's what we all are right Uh, yeah yeah i agree that's and that's isn't that all conspiratorial thinking it's um you know this there's a lot of chaos everything just kind of happens i mean even if you just think about evolution you know everything is just kind of coming together through this process and in hindsight it's nice to look back and try to put pieces together make yourself comfortable but it's not always the case yeah exactly it's the yeah sort of the the call it the the illusion of of design and and yeah and you you probably discussed this before in multiple podcasts but yeah, that, that, that ultimately humans we are we're, we're comfortable with a, a narrative. We're not a, we're not comfortable with just pure pure randomness in in our, in our life. Okay, so so we've established you're you're not trying to take over the world. Whew, okay, all right. 
we can all relax, people. But um, now, what, 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 why did you join? Like, what do you, you know? I, and you're, you're, you're a young guy. Um, you know, you tend to maybe think of, of Freemasons as, you know, you know, getting on in years. It's, you know, there are sort of older fellows who just kind of, you know, they need an excuse to get out of the house or something like that. Like, what, what did, uh, what, what prompted you to join the Freemasons? You know, um, the conspiracy theories. The, the stories, all the kind of mystery that surrounded it, I think just initially is what drew me mm-hmm. to it. In fact, I, um, I think twice in the same day, uh, one day I, I used to work in retail and uh, a guy came in and just through chit-chatting and I happened to see his watch and it was a Masonic watch, had the square and compasses emblem on it and I just kind of noted that. And then um, that same day later I was riding with my dad and we went by this building downtown that had this giant square compasses on it you know carved into stone that i was just like there's that symbol again Hmm. i just kind of you know i started reading about it and my i think my skeptic mind immediately knew all of the conspiracy stuff was bunk but it was still fun to read and um you know the more that i i read into it there's like this interest in the conspiracy stuff but there was also this real interest building up that i was like you know this seems like like a, a, a group of good guys that, you know, I might want to be a part of something like that. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. W- and would it be fair to say you're kind of like, like your service club, like, like, the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Elks brothers or the rotary or something like that. It, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to describe it. It's, um, the, the general thing is, is if you look into any, uh, Masonic scholarship, they're always going to say, we're not a service club. But we do a lot of good stuff. We do a lot of, I mean, in Ohio, our main uh, charity that we give to is the Special Olympics. Okay. Um, and we help that. And the Shriners, which the Shrine is a, one of those appendant bodies I was talking about. Right, that's right, a, yes. That's part of Masonry. They have their uh, children's hospitals. Um, but really, the, the more important part is just kind of like the uh, philosophical teachings of just trying to be a, a good person. And, um, you know, and that was what I think interested me. Plus, all the famous Masons, everyone from Harry Houdini to uh, Mark Twain to, uh, you know, George Washington, these people that were big, you know, in, in my eyes that I was, you know, interested in, in their histories. So knowing that they were part of it, I thought, well, it can't be that bad. And I mean, my, my reading of Freemasonry is that, um, you know, it, I mean, it was, you know, it was one of the kind of the really early organizations that were... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not, not quite multicultural, but you know, you know, it's like you you had to sort of agree that there was a grand designer. But as long as everybody agreed on that, then basically, you know, you could be a Protestant or Catholic or Muslim or you know Jewish or you know or you know that that they that there was it, way way back it was it was it was. It, I mean, in relative to let's say what was going on in say the 19th century, it was it was a lot more. Um, um, you know, like open and, and a lot of open dialogue, and and you, th- you have kind of rules where you you know like no no politics or you know, don't discuss politics or stuff like that. It, it, is, is that a fair assessment? Or yeah, that's I would say that's all fair. Um, it, it, one of those things like they they ask, they're like, well, you know, we're going to ask you this question, but you know, we want to follow it up with something. So do you do you believe in a supreme being? Then as soon as you say yes, or like you said, like a grand designer, however you interpret it, they're just like, okay, that's all we need to know. They don't want to, it's not about religion, it's all religions, or even people who don't subscribe to any particular religion. Um, the um, politics and religion are both 
completely prohibited. We don't discuss that in Lodge, um, and typically that follows when we're just hanging out outside of Lodge. No one talks about that kind of stuff um, because those things are considered to be divisive. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the whole point is to bring men together and be working together for some sort of common good. And um, let's see, you know, in terms of you know, the conspiracies, um, now you, you, you sort of approached me and said you were actually, you, for your lodge, you, you're kind of working on a uh, uh, sort of a document or presentation about, you know, sort of the, the conspiracies associated with, with Freemasonry. Yeah, that actually kind of fell apart. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but because I was doing the research, so I was, um, I, lodges have different officers, and I hold a couple offices. One of them is um, I'm the lodge education officer. Okay. So I'm required every meeting to come up with either history or and even stuff not related to Freemasonry. Um, since we give to the Special Olympics, the last pr- uh, presentation I gave was on the Special Olympics and just the history of it. Oh, okay. Um, and so I did a little bit of background info, and I... I realized, I think I emailed you on like Thursday or Friday, right, yeah. and uh, our meeting was on Tuesday, and I realized about Sunday that there's just too much. Yes. So I don't know what. And one of the problems is Freemasonry is less of the conspiracy and more of the scapegoat for whatever conspiracy you want to put in. Right, yeah. So, um, and I, so I, I kind of had trouble picking it, and I, I went with a whole... Uh, different route and just ended up actually just telling a story sure. but um, but I did you know looking into all that I, I realized coming and sitting down and talking with you I was like there's going to be a lot of different ways this could go okay yeah uh, now, now I mean let, maybe we could start from the the craziest to you know the uh, the uh, sort of least crazy so what what, what is sort of the, the, the craziest conspiracy theory involving Freemasonry you might have encountered or maybe even people even, you know, said it to you or something like that? I think the craziest ones um, really have to do with the um, Mason, uh, the Masons control everything. And so far to the point that uh, they brought in Jay-Z and Miley Cyrus and um, all these different things. But at the same time, we're apparently so bad at being secretive that we give away all of our secrets on T-shirts and Jay-Z has it on his jewelry. And um, So any of the stuff related to entertainment I've always found is the weirdest. I mean, it, obviously there's plenty of different ways people believe that Masons will take over the world, but the ones that are rooted in entertainment seem to be the most far-fetched because they just don't add up. Oh, is, is Jay-Z kind of appropriating the uh, some of your, your symbols or something? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know because I don't know anything really about Jay-Z. But, oh, okay. Um, YouTube. So, you know, before I joined, I was watching, like, History Channel videos on YouTube and stuff. And I always have these sidebar things that are like, you know, Jay-Z slips secret Masonic words into his... Uh, songs and stuff, and I didn't quite get it, and I would like click on them, and I didn't really watch the video. It was the comments that I was reading. Oh, you, you, you fool! You broke one of the main rules of, of the <laughs> internet. Yes, exactly. You delved into, you dug too deep. You re- yeah. released the uh, the Balrog of uh, <laughs> YouTube insanity. Yeah, so reading those, you know, and it's just a lot of people, basically, it, it was almost always the same thing. A bunch of kids basically saying, people need to wake up, they're sheep, Jay-Z is one of them, and <laughs> like, and I'm always just thinking, like, one of what? What is he doing? Like, he's making music you like, or I'm, I'm not sure. 
So well, way, 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 way back during the early days of the internet, I and mean, this is when I really got involved in conspiracies, you know, from a skeptical point of view, um, you know, I'd be on these sort of mess. It was called Usenet, where it's kind of like a you know, huge message board. News groups, right? Yeah, news groups, yeah. Kind of like what what an early version of Reddit, but it's a very decentralized. And um, and uh, so, you know, people would start rambling on about, you know, the Freemasons and the conspiracy and taking over the world and behind this and behind that. And, and I would always just respond, you know, you know, you know, I I was a high level Freemason until they found out up found out about their plans for world domination and I couldn't agree, then I quit. And I would just respond as if like, you know, see, you're right. You know, and and just trying to figure out what would people believe me or not believe me? Like like even the people who were you know, who believed this in conspiracy theory, you know, they were like, No, you weren't <laughs> like, Oh, Oh, you're you're actually skeptical about something, and it was it was it was a, a a weird form of trolling. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about it is it's like they don't want to take it from the mouth of someone who may actually be it. It's almost like you have to make up your own thing, your own theory, and then you have to go find little pieces of cryptic information that support your theory just so that you can pull back and be like well it's you know it's a secret so i had to do all this deciphering to figure it out they can't they can't have someone say well i'm a mason and uh we are trying to take over the world because they would know they're just being fooled with right no no i mean it is it is true you know when you look at sort of say the the founding of america that that a a lot of the founding fathers were, were freemasons weren't they uh, yeah, uh, a lot of them were. Um, a lot of them were probably also Odd Fellows and uh, maybe members of uh, Moose and a lot of those other organizations because they were so prevalent at the time. Right, right. Um, and that's I think that weaves into those you know conspiracy theories. So they you know we have the founding of America. Well, you know you have the um, the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill, mm-hmm. and there's that that whole like you know the pyramids are related to masonic you know ritual and stuff which i haven't seen it anywhere in our ritual but uh you know furthermore pyramids have been around for thousands maybe tens of thousands of years i don't know when the oldest ziggurat is but you know what i mean like they've been around like they're going to be in all sorts of different symbols and in the end they're just a triangle right you can find a triangle anywhere you want and so it does make it a little bit of a stretch but with the founding fathers being uh masons uh, as a mason you know i can really see the some of the masonic kind of philosophies and stuff weaved into or woven into uh the constitution and stuff like that but honestly um it's more of just the general, I think, the general enlightenment principles that right, were yeah. really kind of put in there. Yeah, it was, it was Zeke, I said, at the time, so of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you actually raised a really good point that I never even thought about, right? That that, that people are going back and they're sort of cherry-picking, you know, like, oh, Freemasons, conspiracy. Wow, look at all these founding fathers, we're Freemasons, but we don't sort of look and go, well, what other kind of service groups were they maybe also part of, right? And, right, sort of as if, like, if, you know you know the the boy scouts or something you know like well, look at all these presidents who are boy scouts and you know there's all these secret rituals and hand signs and you know and it's like yeah but we're not afraid of the boy scouts right we there's not a whole big i mean the the girl scouts that's something completely different you know they're just sort of you know, lesbian 
feminist army about to stormtrooper over the world, <laughs> right? You know, if you listen to certain GOP candidates. But, you know, but uh, yeah, but, you know, the Boy Scouts, we just think of harmless. But it would not be too difficult to to take some of the, you know, sort of the, you know, those badges and they salute their own flags and you know that you know they, they worships an animal or something you know no that's a, a really good point like saluting their own flags or something i don't know if they have their own flags but i mean i'm sure they they do not for any like um they got actual stuff. use but yeah but like yeah badges and sashes sash. yeah there you go it's <laughs> the practically a nazi armband you know what i'm saying yeah, I mean, the fact that they have an oath alone, I think, is uh, should be enough to make anyone who is anti-Masonic to also be anti-Boy Scout. Right, yeah. So, right, so the, uh, and, I mean, I've, I've seen sort of claims about, like, you know, like, even Washington, D.C. was designed along Masonic symbolism. Is there, is there any truth to that, or? You know, I don't know. I've, I've read a lot of stuff. I think the major claim is that if you lift up and look at it from an aerial point of view and use your imagination, we'll add that in there, okay. that it, it, it forms kind of a pentagram-type shape. Um, but once again, you're talking about a symbol that's been used by probably hundreds of groups, mm-hmm. um, you know, Masons included, but, I mean, everyone from Christians to pagans to, I don't know if Jews have used it, but, I mean, a lot of people have used uh, that symbol, so... And not to mention, it's just lines. So it's very possible it could have just naturally occurred based on wanting to make streets that people could actually travel and get to places. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a bit like the, you know, the, the Denver airport conspiracy where it's like, you know, the, the claim that the uh, you know, the runways were laid out like a swastika. But yeah, you know, you have to really, really sort of, uh, you know, bend certain runways into going, you know, make it into a swastika kind of thing. But but there is a Masonic symbol in the Denver airport, is, is there not? There is. Um, I believe the Masons of Denver laid the uh, cornerstone, which is really more of a ceremony because these buildings aren't actually built out of masonry. But um, a lot of times local Masonic lodges will lay the cornerstones for new schools or for like a new church or like a new airport, whatever it might be, whatever they get, honestly, whatever they get asked to do. So, um, and it's just a cornerstone laying ceremony. I've actually never been to one. Uh, I think they just kind of talk about like the, you know, the symbolic importance of building things. And honestly, I, I probably should stop there. I don't know what they do at a corner, <laughs> a corner okay. laying ceremony, but okay. Right. And, you know, and um, I mean, you know, when you look at kind of like the history of Freemasonry, there's you know, there's like like they you know they have kind of a, a rich mythology and and uh, what 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 is more the sort of the, the the real history of freemasonry versus the you know there was like a the original temple builder or something like that well yeah there's a bit of debate people have their own different theories um i the best example i can give is um in 1717 there was the first documents date back to 1717 that a united grand lodge was formed by i think four or five lodges in england um which means that we know for a fact that before 1717 they were meeting we just don't know for how long or what was going on in those meetings we know some of the earliest um meetings in in masonry in general were discussion of suspending someone for working for someone outside of their union 
And so it almost appears that if you want to f- kind of believe that masonry evolved, that it really evolved from the original, some of those original stonemasons' mm. goods. Um, so I've heard stories that that's exactly how it went, that there was the stonemasons' guilds, and then finally, um, and I don't know because the, the king changes, it's a myth, so who, kn- who knows, but w- one king decided that um, all those men had such... Um, you know, high esteem that mm-hmm. he wanted to join just to join, even though he wasn't a Mason. And so they let him join and that he was one of the first people to be what we call a speculative Mason versus an operative Mason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of the sort of, I think maybe the key to the history of it, that, that speculative thing's been kind of dropped. Right. Right. That, that, um, I, I mean, sort of my probably incorrect reading is that it, it, it it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, in the 90s you know the coolest people in the world were were bike couriers you know and then you know people wanted to have that sort of that cool you know cachet but didn't want to actually you know be actual bike couriers so they would dress like bike couriers and buy the bikes and you know hang out in bike courier bars or maybe it's like maybe it's like motorcyclists today or something and and and, and so th- there's always going to be kind of some subculture that is is you know is is just interesting and cool. And there's going to be people who have money and influence who want to sort of you know surf that kind of that kind of earned you know respectability and cool. And 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 so to to me it seems like maybe that you know like actual masons you know they built the biggest buildings in town, right? They built the, the, the cathedrals and, and, you know, and, and in some way you could kind of speculate, you know, if you're building God's house, maybe you have a direct line to God kind of. And then, you know, and it, it wouldn't be cool if we were kind of hanging out with Masons and became these speculative Masons. Yeah. And I, I and that's where I kind of wonder, you know, is that what moved them, Masons, the, the unions in general, to start talking more speculative, philosophical type stuff in their lodges? Or was that going on and that's what enticed some of these, you know, speculative and non-operative workers to kind of come in? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, that is one of the more interesting things, I think, about it, is that no one really knows. I mean, we know where we start. We have 1717 as the official year. We know United Grand Lodge of England and anything not related or directly descended from the United Grand Lodge of England is not legit. Um, but other than that, we we don't really know how it really started. You know, some people like to believe that it was the, the Knights Templar that, and then it was, you know, going on, but there's absolutely no real physical evidence to support that. Yeah. I mean, you can come back to my sort of my company example. It's like, uh, you know, I was always sort of fascinated because I've, you know, I've worked for startups that have grown and, and how little people actually work to preserve any of the history, you know, and, 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 you know, five years goes by and people don't remember, well, who started this company and what was the motivation? Where did they start it? And what were the original products and what did they look like? And, and, you know, even NASA, right, you know, right after, you know, Apollo 11, they just got rid of all the stuff that, you know, that historians today would like, how can they throw those tapes out? And, 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 you know, I, I can see, you know, that with, with Freemasonry again, it's like people don't really have any, any, you know, sort of any recognition of like you know, we have to preserve stuff for you know for for history, and it's just like a, a you know, what do you do with your? Do you keep meeting notes at your your meetings, or do you, do you throw them away? Like you know, what what, what you know, you, you you know, if if your lodge suddenly became 
you know, a hundred years from now became, you know, the new Freemasonry, like, you know, how much of that history would be actually preserved? Uh, I think a good bit of it would be. We have a great secretary who okay. uh, who keeps minutes of every meeting. Um, I think, you know, it would be a lot of boring stuff, right, right. <laughs> a lot of votes and, and, you know, discussion on things that people are wondering why the heck we're even discussing it. But, um no, I think the the good stuff too is in there. The the rich history of the lodge is in there, um, and uh, you know more to your point, uh, people not really cherishing their history when they are making it because it's not history yet. Mm-hmm. But even more so when you uh, perhaps are in fear of some sort of uh, persecution or something for what might be found on those notes that you're holding, right, right. you know, secret meetings that are against your government. So that can certainly cause some issues. Right. Yeah. Now, now, the Freemasons, I mean, they, they came in kind of conflict with the Catholic Church at some point, didn't they? I believe that it is still um, by decree from the Pope that if you are Catholic, you cannot be a Freemason. Right, right, yeah. Um, there's nothing in Freemasonry that would um, not allow a Catholic in, but it is the other way around. Uh, uh, on the flip side, I mean, the master of our lodge this year, He's a Catholic, you know, and he said, well, then I guess I'm not the right kind of Catholic. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, but technically, yes. I mean, then again, it's like the Pope saying that, uh, the world is round back in the nineties or something. Like we already knew that. Well, I I always like to sort of point out my, like my own mother is a divorced, remarried Catholic who's, you know, president of her local women's catholic society and is also you know pro-choice you know it's just like you know kind of like every everything i mean other than being you know she's not gay but you know that would be the 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 other one thing that she could do to make herself more un-catholic you know but uh but no no one gives no one gives a rat's ass right you know and sort of a lot of modern catholicism in north america these days it's just yeah yeah so it's i'm not surprised that you could be a Catholic and still be a Freemason, and no one, no one really cares. Right, and I, I'm, I'm sure there are some Freemasons who are Catholic who kind of keep it to themselves. Um, but uh, I mean, I haven't met any, but I'm just I'm positive of it because I know there are, you know, men who live in countries right now who, being a Freemason, would get them killed, and so they really do mm-hmm. have to meet in secret because they're not allowed the freedom of association that Freemasonry promotes. Because it seems like the, the Catholics, they sort of started their own, was it the, like the Knights of Columbus or something like that? Is, is that? Was that their kind of response to, you know, to Freemasonry? That's exactly what it was. Um, it was their response to Freemasonry. They couldn't join the lodges according to the, um, you know, the, the strict reading of the rules of their religion, so they started their own and it's that's exactly what it is knights of columbus and now what i mean if you ever research much into like like joseph smith and mormonism like he seemed to have borrowed a lot of things from from freemasonry do you, do you know much about that yeah the little that i've read is is pretty much what you just said okay. that he was uh, a mason and i don't know if he kind of crafted his religion after being a mason or if he already kind of had his, um, you know, supposed uh, revelation, and then he joined the Masons and started kind of taking some of that stuff and, and using it. But that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with all those different societies anyways. I mean, um, I'm not an odd fellow, but I've read, you know, 
what I would imagine to be pretty accurate exposés of their ritual and stuff. It's very similar. You know, the lessons are very similar. And I've even read, um, you know, college fraternities having you know similar rituals. So it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of used that in his religion to try to give it maybe a different spin, give it give Mormonism a different feel than just going to church on Sunday. Now, do you guys do you guys like have a pope? Like, is there like like by which I mean, you know, your your lodge is there is there like a you know a, a lodge in some like Rome or Scotland or England that that ultimately says you know you can be a lodge or like no you are you're not doing this handshake right anymore you've altered it so you know unless you reform you're no longer Freemasons like is is that are those lines of control or how does it work. Yes, that could almost be a whole another can of worms. Okay. But there's the United Grand Lodge of England, and um, everyone who is a, a Grand Lodge of some sort or a Lodge of some sort has to be able to trace their lineage back there. Okay. So my Lodge is uh, operates under the jurisdiction of the Grand Lodge of Ohio, and the Grand Lodge of Ohio is the only Grand Lodge in Ohio recognized by the United Grand Lodge of England. So it's a pretty direct line. Um, and that goes for all states. However, there's rifts and there's issues sometimes. Just any oh, about, human endeavor, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, just about three years ago, um, West Virginia, which is you know a state right kind of adjacent to us, um, withdrew recognition of Ohio. There was um, some disagreements over basically a, a member who was suspended. However, he came and visited an Ohio lodge, and we let him in, and so they said, we're not recognizing you. What that really meant was that both West Virginia and Ohio were still, by you know the real terms, Freemason lodges. We just couldn't visit anyone in West Virginia. They couldn't visit anyone in Ohio, um, lodge-wise. I right. mean, you could, you could hang out with them. It's not like it controls our lives to that point, but you couldn't really do anything Masonic with them. You couldn't have a meeting or, or do a, a charity or something with them. Um, and then that ended about a year ago. Right, okay. uh, so there are there's politics, unfortunately, with as you said, with any human endeavor. <laughs> there's there's those types of things that kind of control it and mess with it. There's no no real pope, you know, no real like person who who has say because we have what we call uh, masters, like a, a, the worshipful master of the lodge. That's like the honorific title that the the person elected to president of the lodge gets, um, and that's one year, and then the next year someone else is up. And <laughs> so easily one master could come up and say, hey, we're going to do things this way. And then the next year it could be wiped out. Right. I, I seem to recall there was one, I mean, it was like a Scottish Rite Freemason, maybe from the 19th century. Very, very uh, um, sort of powerful and character. Uh, probably a lot of conspiracy theories stem from from him is this albert now? pike yes sorry yes albert pike yes but i'm 48 years old i i couldn't even remember the name of my company receptionist <laughs> today i'm like you are oh <laughs> never seen someone so insulted <laughs> but, uh, i'm like oh my senior moment okay <laughs> but uh, yeah albert pike right yeah what, what, what was the deal with him albert pike was a um was a yeah he's a Scottish Rite Mason and he was just one of those guys who was really really into the philosophy side of Freemasonry and he wrote a book called Morals and Dogma which is um, it's harder to read than Dickens 
I mean, it's just I have it on my Kindle, and I've tried reading it, mm. and it's it's really interesting, and it's it's worth picking up and trying to decipher. But um, it's it's one of those things that it's like if you took Charles Dickens and mixed it with like Jack Kerouac, you have maybe Albert Pike when you throw in Freemasonry. <laughs> Is like you know very little punctuation and stuff, but he gets um, he's one of those people that is is cherry picked, mm-hmm. and um, I think there was like one specific line, the line that always gets brought up. Um, so we talked about like the political conspiracies behind Freemasonry. There's also a lot of religious conspiracies that um, somehow were tricked into worshiping Lucifer or something, and that comes directly from him. He mentions something about lucifer and um he's using it though in a very technical term of lucifer being the light bearer which is what it you know i think is what it is greek for um or maybe mm-hmm. yes. maybe latin one of the two i took right, latin yeah. and i should know that but but yeah he was using it in a much more technical term and it's maybe one sentence out of the whole book and it just you know it's something to grasp onto and and really say look this guy's a 33rd degree he knows what's up he knows all the secrets and he this is where they're heading if they keep following it yeah yeah i think i think, I think pope francis or something i think he was like speaking in latin or something and he was saying like lucifer and, uh, you know, of course, you know, the, the, all the conspiracy theorists and, you know, InfoWars people and we're all going, say the Pope is, you know, the Antichrist and Lucifer and not, not sort of understanding, right, exactly what you're saying, that, 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 that you know, it's like, like Catholics have a term called ejaculation, which is not what we would think of ejaculation. <laughs> right? It means sort of go, hallelujah, hallelujah, like that's an ejaculation. And, you know, having a Catholic nun <laughs> use the word yeah. ejaculation in a grade 11 <laughs> religion class is the greatest thing ever just stop saying that catholic nun that worded no just any ejaculation you know it's just like stop saying that <laughs> sister bud please you know? yeah, yeah there's yeah. all sorts of like people and it, like intercourse is a great one uh you know social intercourse people having discussion and stuff and of course yeah. Yeah. people only know it for one other real reason uh, but yeah he was using it to my to my understanding of how i read it within the context not within the cherry-picked quote is that he was really using it more of a uh, like an angel of light or light bearer and what i think is funny is that that controversy has caused a lot of um, masons to kind of try to dig in and say well no 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 lucifer is i mean look in the bible he's not actually satan and they try to like do this i'm thinking why are you wasting your time it's a it's a bad argument in the first place and you're just giving it credence by making more bad arguments against it yeah, exactly. Um, what's interesting about Albert Pike is, um, you know, I'm like I said, I'm in the Scottish Rite. There's uh, two jurisdictions. There's the Northern Masonic jurisdiction and the Southern Masonic jurisdiction for Scottish Rite. And um, the Northern really is like Northeast, basically Ohio to okay. New York and stuff. So if you're in like Oregon or, or Washington over on the West, you're still technically in the Southern jurisdiction. But um, his book is only used and really only referenced in the southern jurisdiction so for me i had to outwardly go try to find this book Mm -hmm. because it was just no one here cares about it no one in ohio cares about him i mean other than just as a mason you know but not really his book it it has really no credence or no um, importance in the in this jurisdiction so i did think that was kind of interesting because i was reading about him and after i joined i thought oh i'm going to hear about this guy at some point and i just never did Right. Okay. No, I mean, it, 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 like the um, 
you know, like there were probably times you know in uh, history like the United Kingdom you know where you had like you know a lot of influential politicians were uh, Freemasons and and you know in American politics uh, say in you know in the you know during the founding and for you know century after a lot of them were Freemasons and and so you do you do kind of have you know this concentration of you know, movers and shakers, influential people who are also, you know, meeting behind closed doors. You know, what, what do we, I mean, what is the danger there? Um, I would say, first of all, you have to remind yourself that you're right. There are a lot of these movers and shakers. How many, if we try to tally it up, could we say like 100, 200? Like, let's say living. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's 100 of them. Well, I think there's over 6 million Freemasons in the world. Right. Um, and so when you think about it that way, I mean, and even if it's like a million in the, in the whole world, I mean, that's such a small percentage that are actually at the top of anything. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I, I always explain that, you know, I remember sitting in Lodge one night, and on my left was a uh, former mayor of the city. On my right was a uh, construction worker, and across the room from me was an opera singer. And the whole, to me, that illustrates exactly what the point is, is that the guy to the left of me is no more important than the mm. guy to the right or in front of me. Um, and so when you can't talk about politics and when you can't talk about religion, it's a lot easier to focus on those things. You know, I think about some of the politicians who I, um, you know, vehemently disagree with. Mm-hmm. And I always ask myself, do I think I could sit and launch with that guy? And realistically, I have to say yes, because... We wouldn't be able to talk about the things we disagree about. Right, okay. All right. Unless yeah. we disagree about how to golf or something. So, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it, meeting behind closed doors is another, you know, uh, the attack always is that we're a secret society um, or that, you know, the, the word secret is used all the time. And I always kind of wanted to just ask someone, like, well, is there any difference between something that's secret and something that's private? Right, yes. Yeah. It's like, so do you have private information or, you know, do you, would you just be okay with everybody in the world seeing every single email you've ever written, you know, or is that private, yeah. you know, do you want people to know what's going on inside your house, even when you're having a domestic dispute or, you know, people who have kids, you know, if your kids are doing you know, horrible things that you don't want other yes. people knowing about, I mean, those are private things. Um, I would say the, the things that go on inside Lodge are a lot less uh, juicy than any of that it's just yeah. it's the ability to kind of be um you know to know that there's confidence between you know two guys if if someone is having a rough time with something maybe marital problems or or financial problems that he doesn't want to you know go around begging friends for money but he knows that he has friends he can count on to kind of help him out right yeah and i mean i always think too it's like um you know i'm I almost have never been in a position of hiring for a job, but you know, if, if a resume came across my desk and it was like this person had gone to the University of Windsor, like you know, they would they would get kind of close to the top of the stack. I'd bring that person in because that's where I went to the University of Windsor, you know, and and uh, you know, and like I mean, I you know, I had an Italian boss who hired a lot of uh, Italians, you know, and 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 you know, you just tend to you know want to give 
people who are like you or in your one of your tribes, you always want to kind of give them a little bit more of a hand up, you know. And 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 you know, does that does that go on in 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 Freemasonry? Like if you sort of you know went to apply for a job and that you know there's a brother Freemason who is the employer, would you? You know, would you drop, you know, you know, like tap your Freemason ring on the desk while he's interviewing you or, you know, you know, I, uh, I applied for a job. Uh, one of the, uh, the members of my lodge works at the Ohio State University and, uh, about a year or two ago, I applied for a job there. It was just, it wasn't my background, but it was what I was trying to get into. Okay. And, uh, you know, I sent him an email, I said, Hey, um, you know, if you could put in a good word for me, that'd be great. He's like, who's the hiring manager? He's like, oh, I know her. I worked with her. And he was like, really, I guess, knew her very well. He uh, CC'd me on an email he sent to her, just sent me the greatest reference you could ever see, just like three or four paragraphs about how my my leadership skills and communication, all that kind of stuff, and just talking me up. Maybe I'm like reading it like, wow, this guy, like, thanks. Um, and I didn't get the job. <laughs> And, um, you know, he didn't do any of that stuff because it was amazing. He, do, he did it because he knew me, um, but we never would have known each other because we have very little other things in common other than being uh, Masons. Um, and you're right. You, you see someone, and, and it's, I think it's a tribal thing. I also think it's an informational thing. You know, did you like your school? Uh, did I like University of Windsor? Yeah, do you think it's a good school? Oh, it's not a good school, but I had an awesome time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> some people would see, you know, their a school that they went to and just feel like, yeah, this guy went to the same place I did, and I, I think that's a good school. Or yes, right, um, yes or even like just you know things that connect us, like seeing someone who worked at a a similar um, former job. You know, you're like, hey, I came from there too, and I, I think you, I made a good fit here. I think you'd make a good fit here. Right. Okay. So, but yeah, it's it's mostly just you see it. You know, just like at the Boy Scouts, it'd be a, a great another. Going back to that example, I think if one Boy Scout or Eagle Scout saw another Eagle Scout apply, he'd immediately know quite a few things about that person and about that person's uh, character right, before okay. even talking to him on the phone. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know the the uh, was it like like you know secret handshakes and stuff like that. Like the, the sort of the best explanation I heard of that is um, right. You know, if you were like if you were like a real Mason, like you like you like and you went to a different city and you wanted to claim like you were a master mason and of course be paid as one that you know you needed to know you know that the secret handshake or something or some some secret pass to sort of because there there were no id badges back then and there were no you know you couldn't you know look up people in a database or go to linkedin or something like that so so the only way to sort of keep people who actually were had attained a certain level of, you know, masonry or was by then sharing, a, you know, a, say a secret sign or secret handshake. And in that way, if someone's claiming to have, you know, have achieved this, this, you know, this, this level of seniority, this level of skill, and they didn't know the secret handshake, then they were obviously BSing. Right. And that's exactly how it came about. Um, at least, you know, to our best knowledge from documentation and such is that, you had, um, you know, stone masons who had to travel, mm-hmm. and just like you said, they had to go to these far-off cities that they might not know a single person. But having that grip and, uh, you know, a certain word and being able to kind of, you know, whisper that in the ear and, and prove that that's who they were enabled them to get into a job site and be paid properly and everything. Um, and it's exactly how we use it now. In fact, there's um, plenty of masons who would argue that the only secrets that we're required to keep as masons are the modes of recognition 
So by taking the uh, oath obligation that we all take to join in the first place, that really what we're saying is that we're not going to tell anyone how to identify each other. Right, okay. Right. And, um, I mean, I, I, uh, you could kind of disagree with that. A lot of the stuff, though, is, is kind of true, because even if I read you word for word the ritual, um, without experiencing it, you don't really get that secondary kind of feel for it. And there's a whole kind of you know, symbolic rite of passage feel to it and stuff that just adds to it. So there's a secret there, I suppose. You could say like some sort of you know, symbolic secret. But really the, the only thing that no one's going to tell you is how to properly shake their hand. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Which now we have dues cards anyways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we do have ID cards. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of times it's, uh, a lot of times the secret side of that is just we know that the answers are all out on Google we know you can go find it on the internet, yes, yeah. and we don't care right, yes. because really it has more to do with the fact that we all took a certain oath that we are going to keep our word, and that's what we do as good men is keep our word. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it's you know, I, I'm, it would it be fair to say that you know, see the, these secrets. A, it's it's just part of tradition. It's part part of the fun, and it's also just part of you know, as I say, just sort of being able to, you know, demonstrate you can keep your word. I mean. Um, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's like, no, you know, I, I would never cheat on you, honey. But if, you know, if a, if a woman is not, you know, offering you a temptation, you know, how do you ever really know, right? You, 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 you would, you know, you would be faithful to your wife or to your girlfriend, right? And, and, you know, and, and so, you know, it just sort of, you know, so by keeping your, you know, having a secret, you know, you and being able to keep that secret, you know, it sort of demonstrates, you know, a, a certain, a certain quality about you. Yeah. That's that's exactly how it works. All right, and uh, so what what, what? what? I mean, if if someone, what what is the if someone's to say, oh, you know, Freemasonry conspiracy? What what's what what? Is there anything you would consider concede and say, okay, you know, there's there's a small basis in truth on in, in this, you know, or is there is there anything in Freemasonry that 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 it would seem conspiratorial if not today in the past the biggest one i could think of is the morgan affair uh which was involved a man named william morgan okay. who um, uh, from everything i can gather had kind of frauded his way into some lodges mm-hmm. um and uh, long story short because it is a long story for okay. me, but i mean this was about he was born in 1774 he disappeared in 1826, and um, his disappearance is often um, credited to Masons because he had threatened to reveal uh, their secrets, and he, he was actually one of the, um, the founders, I believe, or at least his, his disappearance um, inspired the founding of the Anti-Masonic Party, which was the first third party in the United States, and... Um, yeah, he so he said he was going to uh, reveal these secrets. He actually was brought up on charges that had no that he would, like owed someone money and they put him in jail. And then when the person who was going to publish his book came down to pay his bail, okay. they were apparently taken away, taken. They're Take- taken away <laughs> in a uh, a coach and never seen again. All right. And there's truth to that. I mean, the story I just told you is true. We don't know where they went. It's um, you know speculated that Masons took them away. Um, 
and you know there's always room i suppose for every um tribe or group mentality to have some people who take it a little too far <laughs> but um but that's but you have stuff like that and since it is founded in a good chunk of truth it makes it very easy to say well if they did that you know why didn't they why weren't they the ones who killed princess diana right exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like government did something bad once so they're capable of anything why you know yeah exactly so there's truth in that i mean there's truth in um a lot of the little stories like um, I read a horrible story about a, a man who was apparently shot during some sort of initiation ritual. And what it ended up being was these Masons had their own little club, like just some, not even Masonic, just because it was like three or four guys and another guy wanted to join. Okay. And it involved something with shooting blanks and, of course, something went wrong and mm-hmm. someone actually got shot. Um, and so once again, that hits the papers and it turns into something, you know, totally uh, contrived, you know, with a little bit of truth. And the other thing, um, which we didn't even talk about, I I don't know how we didn't get to this, but, um, is the, uh, all the fake masonry. Okay. Uh, There's a lot of lodges that, and that's when I was talking about legitimate, you know, descended from that United Grand Lodge. There's a lot of lodges that we deem them, we call them clandestine because they operate either, um, they don't follow the rules, like they um, admit women, or they don't use the right constitutions or the right laws or something, or they just, they might be completely, everything's good. I mean, they follow all the rules and everything, but they didn't get the proper charter, so they're not a real lodge. Um, a lot of times what I've noticed is when you read something really bad and it relates to the Masons in some way, this is more contemporary speaking, um, when you follow the trail back, it's usually to a clandestine lodge that isn't actually Masonic in the first place. Okay. Okay. Let's see, what, 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 what's the ethics of that? I mean, you know, you know, fraternal organization sort of implies, well, you know, dudes but you know that i mean i mean one of the arguments uh is that you know well you know important business is being conducted in these fraternal lodges and by denying women access um you know you're sort of cutting them out kind of these these sort of backroom business deals that are maybe being made what's the uh i mean what what, what's sort of to you the sort of the the ethics about that um i mean there are organizations like the uh, order of the eastern star um, and other related organizations to masonry that do nearly the same exact thing that do admit women. Um, it's mostly just um, tradition, okay. you know. And even in, in the thing that I think is interesting is as a fraternal organization, because we're not tied to like a college where we have like these all these extra things going on. We're our own independent organization, mm-hmm. and so the Odd Fellows they have what they call Rebecca's. Which are women's <laughs> that women that can join, and um, the Moose Lodge allows women to join. But Freemasonry's kind of stood tight to that that male only because it is a fraternity, because it's meant to be a brotherhood. And um, you know, I think it's so prevalent in college, but nobody makes a, a fuss about it because you have sororities, mm-hmm. and so you have these kind of equal sides. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot of good arguments, kind of for um, keeping it men only. I've also, heard, you know well thought out arguments that are uh, you know that basically say we need to move forward and start thinking about you know admitting women and that kind of stuff and honestly I'm kind of don't care 
<laughs> I mean, sometimes I, I typically am the kind of person who has an opinion on everything, but right, it's just okay. one of those things that I'm like, you know, I think, you know, I joined because I wanted to follow their rules. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't become a Christian and then go into the church and say, hey, can we stop worshiping Jesus? Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's just one of the rules of that organization, and it's a private organization, and no one's compelled to join and no right. one's compelled to stay. So I think that's where it comes. Is it's just a free association thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, that sort of the perception of Freemasonry, you know, having power and, you know, tapping access they wouldn't normally be able to tap. seems like like there are, you know, creepy people who have joined and Freemasonry kind of gets a bad name through those associations. Like, I I don't know, Charles Manson, did he try to join Freemasonry or... Or um, I'm just pulling that one out of my butt. Don't, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like, where is he going with this? Or um, L. Ron Hubbard, or I mean, Joseph Smith obviously tried to join Freemasonry. Like, like who are? I mean, are there any sort of like, you know, sort of nefarious people who had joined Freemasonry that that, that conspiracy people point to and say, you know, look, you know, um, or who who is that guy that sort of the, uh, the founded the, uh, uh, the Satanist organization? Oh, Anton LaVey. Yeah, Anton LaVey, right. I don't think he had okay. any any say in it. Um, okay. There, and there's a great website called MasonicInfo.com, and it's okay. run by a, a mason who just spends all his time making a crappy-looking GeoCities website, but yeah. it's full of great information. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, and he has this whole section on here that's called Our Black Sheep and he kind of he's his whole thought process is I'm not going to sit here and try to hide some mm-hmm. of these bad people or you know uh, what do you call them less desirable people. Um, I'm going to talk about it, mm-hmm. and you know he has everyone from like Benedict Arnold in there to um, Ty Cobb, who is well known for being kind of a terrible sportsman. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, if you don't know who that is, no, is like, a, he's a baseball player. Baseball player, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and then. So we do have those, and then we also have, if you want to go back to some of those conspiracy theories, we have um, the horrible incident in Norway um, quite a few years ago where that man went in and, and shot up all the all these children in the oh, camp. Oh, right. yes, yes, okay. Um, and, and he was a mason, and um, it circulated pretty fast, the pictures of him and his Masonic regalia and right, that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, yes. And, I mean, there's only so much we can do to... to check people out you know we do our best when people are joining to look into them but you know at the same time this guy was also a part of like you know certain armies and stuff like that so we we can't stop them all in in canada one of our most nefarious murderers is named paul bernardo he kind of killed a couple schoolgirls and then hacked up their bodies and cased them in cement and and uh yeah part of his history is he, uh, he sort of joined the Freemasons and but it, it, he kind of like looked at it and said oh you know all the movers and shakers in my community are part of it and so you know I'll join it too to kind of like you know kind of end around the whole power structure or something and and uh, yeah so I mean yeah I mean that's a problem like you know he he's listed on this website is he good okay all right yep as one of the black sheep so okay, yeah, I mean everyone's <laughs> yeah. this guy tries to 
keep a good job of keeping yeah. people. He has Henry Ford and oh, okay. uh, you know Michael Richards, if you remember Kramer. Oh right, yes, okay. You know, and just kind of t- and I mean, there's not too much bad to say about him, but he had uh, you know yeah, an unfortunate yeah. incident. Yeah. But, um, that, that but was, hey, you let well, Jewish people but, in, so you're not you're not you're not racist. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who you know join, and then there's a lot of members who. Um, We'll say we're members and and never were you know never were kicked out or never quit or anything like that. But they just have some pretty wild beliefs, you know. And once again, it's just a lot of that stuff is not topic of discussion in lodge. So as far as we're concerned, as as masons, that's just not something we really know about. Right. And I mean, w- without revealing secrets, like what 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 is a typical lodge meeting involve? Um, most of the time, uh, trying to come up with ideas, especially depends on the lodge. I have to preface by that. If you're a very active lodge, um, there's one that actually meets in the same building we do that is um, a little more esoteric. A lot of their meetings always have some sort of um, very philosophical discussion about the symbolism that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our lodge is a lot more um, kind of in between. Okay. We do we do great ritual. We do great, you know. We know our lines, and, and we, we really try to make a great impression on people when they join. But at the end of the day, we're there to, to hang out and, and you know have a good dinner and, and talk about things. Like right now, we're trying to get a reunion together of all of our members, um, you know, just things like that. And like you said, it depends on the lodge. There's actually lodges dedicated to um, research. All they do is try to dig up more research on masonry and, you know, the symbols and that kind of stuff. And considering the... As we already talked about, the, the loss of you know, documented facts, there's probably a whole lot of research to be done. So, yeah, a little voting on people joining and then, uh, you know, some discussion of anything that's going on. And then we kind of close. It is can be boring at times. Do you all go for beer after or? Sometimes. Okay. Um, you know, the, where my lodge is at, there's a nice uh, little bar and grill kind of down the road and the guys that go down there i actually don't drink okay. so i don't usually kind of go to that but um you know we're not allowed they're not allowed to have alcohol on the actual okay. in the lodge at least according to ohio rules so okay. michigan they can okay. so <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do you have coffee do you have donuts is there, is there food yeah. there yeah, yeah, we have um, dinner and, and, you know, people, it just depends. I mean, there's a certain officer position in the lodge called a steward, and they're usually responsible for making the food for a year. Oh, okay. Um, a couple of years ago, we had the steward, his wife would make the most amazing meals, and he'd bring them in in crock pots ready to go, and I mean, we're just, it was like the best part of coming to the meeting. Um, <laughs> and you have other years where, you know, guys just don't have time to do that, so they're picking up, you know, some sandwiches or a relish tray or something on the way and it's a little lighter and stuff so it's you know it always depends but yeah we do that the whole point um is really about just kind of connecting guys that normally wouldn't make be friends in the first place which i have to say every guy in my lodge i don't think i would have kind of reached out to or met if it weren't for masonry so I really kind of owe that a lot to them because I now have all these different connections and different people that I know just just because. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you know, a really interesting point you made. I think worth underlining is that you know the, the that idea, right? You would be sitting, you're sitting next to a former mayor, and you're sitting next to you know construction worker, and and, and you know there 
there, there's no hierarchy there, right? You're just kind of all 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 equal, and and that and that, that 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 does have yeah, that's that's kind of a real pro-social kind of kind of thing. Yeah, those are your um, some of your secret Masonic words that you'll hear spoken in everyday language as we're trying to control your mind. Is yeah, <laughs> you hear, and people don't say as much anymore. But I, I love the old, the old saying. You watch the old movies from the fifties; they'll say, "Is that on the level?" You know, and that's a oh, old, right, yes. old Masonic saying. And um, uh, I think I mentioned one earlier, and I can't remember it. But oh, third degree. Uh, oh, the third degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a whole. I, I found a web page that had all the different words that kind of like linked to that and stuff so it's but yeah i mean um meeting on the level is one of the most important things being able to just all be in which is interesting to me when i hear all the conspiracy theories about these higher up levels because it's like it it's just so counterintuitive hmm. why would you start an organization where you have a nefarious goal to rule the world through some sort of brute force conspiracy and the way you recruit rem- your members is you say we only want guys who are interested in doing good. Right, yeah. <laughs> and the, when everyone comes in, you constantly talk about treating each other equally and with equal respect. Right. I mean, that stuff just doesn't make sense. And you're telling me that after these guys do this for years, all of a sudden you give them some 33rd degree in a backroom talk, and they're like all on board to you know, completely deceive everybody they just used, you know, an hour ago called their brother. Right. It's just, it's always funny to me. That's So when you ask what the craziest conspiracy is, it's always the one that requires the most people. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is is I mean, what is the status of Freemasonry, say, in in America? I mean, you know, I was I was just saying you were making a point that you know at one point there was like a anti Freemasonry party and 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 uh, but you know, but obviously there's not one today. Like, is is Freemasonry kind of like sort of declined in North America, or is it just you know, is it? It's just one of those things where you, if you want to be a mover and shaker, you, you don't really have to join Freemasonry anymore. Or? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely the second one. Um, because as much as we wouldn't want to say that um, people joined to make better business connections, when you lived in the 50s and the, in the mm-hmm. 40s and 50s and one in two men were a member of some sort of fraternal lodge right, yes, in America, yes. I mean, that's how you met people. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I need to join the Masons because that'll get me a job. It was, I need to join the Masons because I need to not look like an outcast. Right. You know, and I think there's a lot of conformity to it then, um, and that's not not really around anymore, but really neither is the anti-Masonry. It's really relegated to YouTube and uh, maybe some news groups that still exist and, and right. stuff like that. But um, there was a, a good speech by... Um, a guy named uh, Christopher Hodat, who wrote Freemasons for Dummies, and he also wrote Conspiracy Theories for Dummies. Oh, okay. And um, I was listening to him give a speech at a lodge one night, and he, you know, he went on this whole thing, and he's like, you know, the anti-Masonry is not a thing anymore because nobody cares. It's like nobody even knows who we are. Like so, maybe if we tried to be a little more outward and, and let people know who we are, then we'd have more anti-Masons, but also more Masons. Right. You know, we had a, we had a big push of a lot of movies there for a while, and the Da Vinci, not the Da Vinci Code, but um, Dan Brown writing books and, and yeah, yeah. Dan Brown wrote a book recently, didn't he? Uh, I think it was called The Lost Symbol. Right. Okay. Right. Which I haven't haven't read, but I mean that I mean 
I've heard of a lot of guys joining the lodge, and they say, well, how'd you hear about it? Well, I read this book. Okay. <laughs> you know, National Treasure used it as, like, a plot device and right, stuff. Yes. And so all that stuff, it's just like I explained, you know, my interest. It came from some of those stories, some of that mystery, some of that wondering of what, what really is this? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and just kind of wanting to be a part of something. Yeah. You know, I don't have, uh, you know, we, we know that the Force isn't real and he can't really become a Jedi. But if right. you come close to something like that, right, yeah. some sort of wisdom or knowledge that not everybody has, it's when I when I try to join and they came and they do what they call an investigation where they interview you, I remember distinctly one of the guys saying to me after all the stuff, he's like, you know what I mean? It's really just a really cool guy thing. Right, yeah. And that really stuck with me. I was like, that's, and especially now, you know, four years into it, I'm like, that's exactly what it is. Cool. You know, it's not quite the stonecutters, but. No, yeah. (laughs) What, uh, I mean, sort of breaking from the Freemasonry topic and kind of wrapping up a bit. um, Are you, 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 are you a musician or something? It looked like your, your, your Google mail picture. Do you have a guitar or something in your picture? Yeah, I used to be um, pretty, pretty like prevalent playing a lot and stuff like that i think when i got out of high school i had at the, at the max i was in about six bands okay cool. <laughs> um so yeah i was a musician I, obviously i don't think you stop being a musician but right, okay. uh, i don't play out anymore or anything but um yeah so i did that for some time and then really school just my undergrad as it picked up and stuff and now when i went to grad school i was like i don't have time for any of that stuff right, okay. anymore and so what, what, is, what is your what is your graduate degree and what, what are you working on I'm working on a master's in anthropology. Okay, right, yes. Yeah, specifically it's applied anthropology. So it's um, actually meant to be used for, like, um, businesses to have better cultural understanding of of consumers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure, um, okay. I'd like to uh, progress and and start working on a Ph.D. in the next year uh, in the same field, but maybe not applied back to kind of traditional anthropology. Okay, yeah, yeah, that is an interesting, interesting topic. And I guess it sort of helps too with your, you know, like your research into Freemasonry and, and, uh, you know, and sort of those sort of group dynamics and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it helps a lot. And then um, there was a uh, pretty famous anthropologist, um, and I can't think of his name. He's one of my, one of the guys I read all the time. I think Tyler was his last name. But he um, did a lot of work on symbolic anthropology and had a whole, um, a whole ethnographic account of ritual and how it's used in rites of passages, whether it's the ritual of graduating from high school or whether it's like some far-off, you know, quote-unquote foreign ritual. And um, I gave a presentation as one of my uh, Masonic education nights. I was talking about that, how our ritual really is just... All it really is meant to do is kind of create this rite of passage with um, with a liminal phase and being blocked out from the world for a little bit and <laughs> blindfolded and all that kind of stuff. That all kind of plays into it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, he always had a really interesting point that our, our, our culture has lost that uh, that sort of that manhood ceremony that, you know, that, that you know, you, you, you are now a man, you know, you now you are responsible, you know, and we, we, we don't have that anymore. Like, like the closest we have is maybe the first time you, you shave your face or something like that. Like, you know, there, is there anything in Freemasonry in that? Like, you know, you are a man, you are now responsible, you know, for your, yourself and, you know, people around you. and I think that's one of the arguments for keeping it men only. Um, it's not that there's anything explicitly in the ritual or in the, the 
teachings or however you want to say it that teaches you to be a man but it teaching you to try to be a better person right. and when everyone in the group is a man well it's it's implied at least yeah so yeah i mean it's and i've heard an argument um just in general for freemasonry that that's really what it's about that's one of a little bit of my thesis when i was talking about that with my lodges like this is you know a rite of passage for all of us to as far as we're concerned to being better men trying to you know well, none of us are perfect, but just trying to be better. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm in this weird state where I'm like 48 and I'm, you know, I, I, I forget things and I want to be in bed by 9.30 p.m. And, you know, I aches and pains all the time. And But at the same time, I, I, I still feel like I'm... 20 you know like i don't i don't feel like i'm you know i think of my dad at 48 and i'm like i don't feel like i am that grown-up man it's 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 a, it's a weird thing in our society these days yeah and it's it's it changes with every generation and with every you know new age cohort because life stages change and, right, yeah. you know um before so few used people used to go to college you know, it was, you did good in high school, now you get to go to college. Now, at least in America, it seems like college is just an extension of your high school, and you're expected to, and so your mm-hmm. life stage has changed. You have four more years where you're not really responsible for things, and right, yeah. so a lot of that stuff kind of plays into it. I do need to say, um, the, the anthropologist's name is Victor Turner, okay. because if there's another anthropologist listening and thought that I actually forgot it, oh. <laughs> I think I'm crazy. I just slipped my mind, and I was like, I don't know why, So, but it came back. Wow. But yeah, a lot of symbol, uh, symbolic anthropology, and yeah, that feeds into both of those interests. So my actual academic interest and then Freemasonry is just there, and... Um, you know, and then, like I said, with the conspiracy theories and stuff like that, I'm really, you know, I've always considered myself a skeptic. When I found this podcast, I was like, oh, this is great because I'm so sick of hearing about anti-vaccination people. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted something different, and it definitely supplied me with something different. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, yeah. I mean, it's uh, coming back to sort of the podcast, and like, I have been getting a lot of people who are like, are you, are you dead? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, no. No, I'm still alive. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just I sort of I, I, I will try to email people who who email me asking if I'm still alive and just and I don't even look at my the Facebook uh, uh, conspiracy skeptic group because I'm like, I'm really afraid there's just a lot of angry people on there. But like, where are you? Where's our podcast? Yeah. I want to, but uh, yeah, I just I just um, I mean, I got a new job. I moved to a different city. I live with my girlfriend and she's got like a five year old and and it's a longer commute. And it's just it's just kind of really hard to sort of find time and find guests and research and then edit. And then uh, so so I've just I, I I'm kind of just been taking a unplanned break but uh i mean i i really hope that uh you've helped reinvigorate the uh, the, the podcast hey i hope so yeah i i wondered where you went too so but i always because i did i did a political podcast oh. i've actually done i've actually done two and um they both ended with me just not having time yes <laughs> so i you know i never did a final episode or said all right well thanks for listening to everything like and i know there's people that are probably still subscribed yeah, waiting for something. And, and don't don't you feel guilty? Like, don't you just feel like I've, I'm really letting people down? And <laughs> I do, but then I just I tell myself, you know what? 
there's only so much I can do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a podcast. It's free. No one's paying me for <laughs> for me to come in and, you know, talk my beliefs about politics or whatever the podcast is about. So, yeah, there's, I... There's just so many nice people who listen to this podcast, and I always feel like, I'm, man, I'm really letting them down. <laughs> no, I don't think you... Well, because you know what? If they feel like they're, you're uh, letting them down, maybe they should email you with their own content. <laughs> They try. They try. It worked for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, like, uh, so what? What? What do you? What do you do for fun? You don't. You don't. You don't. You're not a drinking man. Uh, so what could you possibly be doing for fun? Um, nothing. <laughs> a lot of reading. Okay. A lot of study. I mean, one of the crazy things is um, I'm done with all my classwork, but I'm in my thesis writing stage. Okay. And I thought this was going to be the easier stage because I didn't have like coursework to be doing and it was going to be a little more free form but it, it really is just more forcing myself to to stay focused okay. uh, so Bri- that's as i could say briefly what's your thesis on my thesis is on um brand loyalty the symbolism of brands and um kind of consumer culture among millennials oh that's fascinating yeah so um and it's millennial males so because i had to be specific mm, so okay Kind of keeping in with that, and I, I always liked, like I said, that idea of symbolic anthropology, and I think that if anything, masonry and all that kind of stuff just helps me with noticing symbolisms and little things like that that catch on. But yeah. I'd like to do more wide range stuff though, eventually with anthropology. So, well, I mean, when when I lived in Korea, I mean, Koreans are just famous for just just ripping off North American businesses and you know there you know there were like all kinds of Starbucks clones in Korea and Korea and and Starbucks would always try to sue you know like your logo's too similar to ours and and oh yeah and and, and always sort of thought it's like you know people sort of go well no I can tell the difference between Starbucks logo and Star Preya logo and I'd be like well I, I, it's not quite that it's that it's that that, that green color and that vague symbol you know it gives you a good feeling like that it's a good yeah. coffee and it's a nice environment and that, that that and and you associate that greenness and that and that 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 vagueness of that logo with good feelings and if someone is copying that color and that vagueness and is not making you feel good you know it 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 it, it waters down you know the, the the goodwill you feel towards that symbology you know absolutely yeah and that's those are the kinds of things that i'm interested in looking at so I kind of, you just summed it up for me. Don't Thanks. <laughs> you're you right. Doing People, it, you know, I mean, it, sometimes it's ethical reasons. Sometimes you pick a brand because, oh, you know, I know that they they do this, this, and this, and I like supporting that. Um, and other times you just pick it because it helps you fit into the crowd. And yeah, so, exactly. a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, you don't you don't think too hard about it, but it just it just it just is in your background and. You know, we are ultimately the product of just a whole lot of things we don't really think about too much. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And and uh, what, what were the name of your podcasts of people who you know, can go and be disappointed that you're not making them anymore? I don't know if the first one still exists. Okay. It was called Experimental Medicine. Um, but the, the more recent one I had done was called The Portable Libertarian. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and it was, I think I did 12 episodes. I was trying to revive and um, it just... I wasn't really feeling it because I had covered so much on the other podcast right, yes. that I felt like I was kind of repeating myself. And um, I also, I, I've always wanted to present politics 
especially like my views because mm-hmm. they're not mainstream in the most non-controversial way because oh, okay. I, I want to invoke discussion and I, I like that idea that people can have different opinions right, right. and um, I just I felt like from some of the comments and feedback I was getting that people would just think oh you're just a Republican or you're just this that right, and like right. no it doesn't really not really but they because I was I think it's because I was being too soft right yes <laughs> but I didn't want to go in and be you know too big of a Right, too big okay. of like a pin Gillette in, in you know you ever seen the the show uh, I don't know if you uh, bullshit oh yeah 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 of course yeah um, so you know I didn't want to be like that right like yes. boisterous and, and going out but um, you know I still wanted to get those points across and right, it just yeah. wasn't happening uh, I do have I think one in the mix with a friend of mine uh, that we're gonna call the new now okay which is going to be he's a uh, studying journalism. And of course, I have kind of this anthropology background, so kind of taking our two backgrounds and really looking at culture and media and kind of the zeitgeist of our age and how it's constantly changing and, and that kind of stuff. So that's in the works, but I, with our schedules, we'll see when that actually gets yeah, up and running. Yeah. Well, definitely let me know because that might be, might be interesting because I really like that, that podcast. Uh, it's called 99% Invisible, and um, it's it's sort of along those sort of lines. The, the sort of the 99% of the world you don't really – notice as 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 sort of just walking through your city or you know walking through a grocery store but you know the sort of the i don't want to say subliminal but you know sort of just just below your what you're really paying attention to that 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 90 it you know what's 99% of the world is not what you really notice and it's it's quite fascinating you know the all the thought and design that sort of goes into that absolutely yeah that's awesome I have to look that one up. Is it? Do you know who uh, no, the I name for, is? I, I the, I'm not sure the host, but it's, it's called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. Yeah, okay, fascinating. Just all kinds of crazy stuff, but uh, but just well well produced and you know not uh, not uh, doesn't go off the deep end or anything like that. Just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays it pretty tight. But uh, so you know, do you, do you go to like skeptical conferences or do you go to libertarian conferences or? Not yet. Um, I haven't even gone to anthropology conferences. Oh, okay. Right. As a grad student, they're like, you need to get to these conferences, present papers, and I'm just like, when? Yeah, when I got the time. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I haven't been to any. I've been I've been wanting to make it out to something like uh, TAM yeah. or, or, or anything, really. And I living in Ohio, actually, I'm surprised I haven't seen anything come through here. Um, I go to comic conventions. But okay. <laughs> All right. Sometimes they have like skeptical tracks and stuff like that. And yeah, right. I mean, I, I get out to that stuff, but I, I really want to. I want to get to comment some sort of like um, skeptical convention, and um, I mean, can't really think of any. I mean, the only thing I could think of would be the Libertarian Party like committee or something. But I'm not really a a party libertarian as much right, as okay. just more libertarian minded. Sort of a uh, uh, what was the uh, the. Uh, what was, it, what was the Freemason, the, uh, the practical Freemason, and the uh, the uh, what, what was the other one? The, uh, the, the not a real Mason, but a uh, oh, like the operative versus the speculative. Speculative, yeah. So you're you're a speculative libertarian versus yeah, an operative to, libertarian. Yeah, I used to be a part of the party, and then I was like, you know, I was like, I just like the idea of being an independent voter that can that. Yeah, I have my maybe my political philosophies, but I can go whatever way I want when I think it fits the the best vote. Right. Okay. All right. But if you did t- 
turn out to some 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 convention and someone's like, "Oh, I heard you on Conspiracy Skeptic. I can I buy you a what's what's what what what's the drink they could buy you?" Ginger ale. Ginger ale, okay. Or you, root beer. Do you get Verner's there? Yeah, we have Verner's. Oh here. yeah, yeah, we yeah, that's sort of a bit of a you know, Michigan, Ohio, my part of Ontario, uh ginger ale. It's 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 good stuff. Well, I, I didn't like it. know they didn't have uh, ginger like Verner's other places. Yeah. I didn't know it was so regional. I, I th- yeah no I think I think it was started in Michigan Verner's uh, like the legend which I don't think is true. It's like the guy sort of was making his own ginger ale, put it in an oak barrel, went off to fight the Civil War, came back like five years later, and then was like, "This is amazing! This ginger ale <laughs> and oak barrel," and then started. But I don't I think that's more legendary, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Ver- Verner's is a kind of a good regional soda. Yeah, that's good. I like uh, ginger beer is another good one. Right. Okay. Anything that's with ginger, pretty much, because it'll be spicy and I'll like it. All right. Okay. Well, I'll let you go, Blake. All right. Okay. Well, thank thanks for coming on, and and, and yeah, and I, I really hope this sort of kicks off some m- new conspiracy skeptics. I hope so too. Okay. Thanks right. for having me. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Right, bye bye. All right, I'm just gonna hang up and then uh, I gotta get to bed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Have a good night, Blake. You too. Okay. Bye bye. 